Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday, November the 14th, 2022, and it looks like everything is working. I have no clue what happened Thursday morning. I got up, no internet service, um, had to wait, called and called and called, spent all morning on the phone with customer service. Finally, they worked some kind of magic and reset my line, and I don't know. Here we are. But I appreciate your patience as you deal with uh, just a little glimpse of life in Spotswood when it comes to technology. We still don't have decent internet, but usually it comes through. It came through yesterday for the morning worship service. It's coming through now. And so we are grateful for that. I hope that everybody had a wonderful weekend. And I don't know about where you are, but it is frosty white outside here. Boy, things changed. I mean, there were a few days last week that felt like not even the fall anymore. They felt more like the spring or the summer. And um, yeah, definitely not dealing with that anymore. But <clears throat> tis the season. So I actually enjoy that. I don't know about you. But anyway, it is great to be with y'all this morning. And I welcome you, whether you are new for maybe the first time or maybe this is your upteenth time. I think this is daily devotional 417, 417, something, I don't know. Um, but I'm delighted to have this time with you. If you are new, then you've missed quite a bit because we've been going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the gospel according to John. And where we find ourselves today is in the next portion of John chapter 14 after that really unbelievably concise um, descriptive verse, John 14, 6, where Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times when we're quoting John 14, that's the verse that we quote. And admittedly, I do that too, right? Because, it, look, there are so many false teachings in the world today, right? There are so many um, terrible, heretical, just horrible ideas when it comes to Christianity, and the one that, that not only is terrible because it's untrue, but doesn't even make sense is this, this idea peddled by churches every weekend, every weekend, I'm telling you, peddled by churches all the time that Jesus is not the only way to heaven, that Jesus is not the only way to God the Father. It's because they don't just believe in God the Father. They believe in God, whoever she might be. And y'all, I ain't talking about in California. I'm not talking about in New York City. I'm talking about everywhere, okay? If you look at the surveys, if you look at, at the studies that have been done on this, what you find is that in the United States, that the vast majority of people are not atheists. They believe in God. But you also find out that the vast majority, I've heard numbers as high as 85% of people believe that there's a heaven, right? And, and that same amount of people does not believe that there's a hell. You know, it's fascinating. You have conversations with somebody like this. You're like, oh, well, what are you going to ask Hitler when you get to heaven? And then they're like, well, you know, not everybody's going to be there. Oh, really? Why isn't everybody going to be there? Because they're not good enough. Well, what does it mean to be good enough? Can you only be guilty of these horrible things? And are these things not bad? And, you know, you can have all sorts of interesting conversations with people, but nevertheless, the prevalent belief out there is that Jesus is not the only way to God the Father. And it makes no sense for churches to teach this because what churches do in that from a pure, and I, and I don't mean to be so terse, but from a marketability standpoint, right, 
if Jesus isn't the only way to heaven, and if the church just has one of many truths that will get you there, truths that you can find out on your own, truths that aren't even really necessary because you're going to go to heaven anyway, why bother with church? And you know what? A lot of people have answered that question by saying, that's a good point. Uh, I can give my money to something else. If I want to feel better about myself, I can volunteer at a soup kitchen. I don't have to go sit in this place uh, for an hour on Sunday. I, you know, that's what people have come down to because they don't believe in the God of the Bible. They certainly don't believe in Jesus Christ, our Savior of the Bible, because if they believed in Jesus, they would believe what he says. So there's a whole lot of people out there that claim to follow Jesus that don't. Let's get real. Let's be practical. There's a whole lot of preachers that claim to love Jesus, but they hate him. And they make a mockery out of his message. And they pretend like they're smarter, wiser than the authors of the scripture. I'll, don't fill your mind with that garbage. Because where your mind is focused is where you'll end up. I'm telling you. That's one of the issues that's going on, um, even in my area here. So I'm not going to say more on that, but that's where we were the last time we were together, and that would have been on Wednesday. Now, as I said, most of the time when we quote John 14, we're quoting verse 6, which again is good because it's so concise, it leaves you no wiggle room whatsoever. It is as clear as crystal. But the rest of John 14 really bears out what Jesus has just said here. And we'll see that today in his conversation with Philip, which we'll pick up in verse 8. But before I uh, read anything, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the truths, for the riches revealed therein. We thank you that it is trustworthy, and we should trust in you and your word, and not lean on our own understanding Help us with this, Father. Please guide us by your Holy Spirit. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Jesus makes this grand exclusive statement. All right, this is a statement of exclusivity. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he follows it up in verse 7 by saying, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then what he's about to say to Philip goes to show that the basis of Jesus' exclusive claims, right? The basis of Jesus saying, I am the only way to heaven is this. That if you've seen him, you have seen the father. Now, again, let's be done with this heresy. Let's be done with this ridiculous doctrine that is out there by cults. And that's exactly what they are. They are cults. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, they do not believe that Jesus is God. They believe that Jesus is a son of God. They believe that Satan is a son of God. They believe that the Holy Spirit, though they can't really articulate who he is, they believe that the Holy Spirit is a physical son of God. Well, excuse me, a spiritual son of God who doesn't have a physical body yet. It is weird. It is wacky. They deny the Trinity. And y'all know what I've been talking about on Sunday. And who tries to understand the Trinity will lose his mind, but the man who denies the Trinity will lose his soul. Okay, Jesus leaves no room for this. He says, guys, look, if you've seen me, you've seen God. 
He's made other statements like this. I and the Father are one. And he's about to get even more firm with this in terms of his conversation with Philip. Because look at verse 8, where we pick up today. It says, Philip said, verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Have you seen that Jordan Peterson interview? Um, Jordan Peterson is like a modern-day philosopher. He's into economics, all sorts of things. I don't even know how to really describe him. He, he's super-duper popular. He's a conservative guy, right? And when he really first came on the scene, and this was part of him really coming on the scene, I contend, right? He was having a conversation. It was an interview um, with a news anchor, and, and, he's, and I don't even remember what it was. I should have looked it up before doing this. But anyway, he makes this masterful statement and, and lays this premise down, and, and, he, and he talks about why he said what he said. And then the news anchor, anchor looks right at him, and she says, so you're saying fill in the blank. In other words, she didn't listen to one single thing that he said, right? Because when she said, so you're saying, look at it this way, and I should have looked it up again. I apologize for that. But it's like he made this masterful statement about how the sky is blue, right? And he talked about refraction, and he talked about atmospheric pressure, and he talked about temperatures, and he talked about molecular compounds and all these things. He makes this wonderful, masterful statement. And it would be the equivalent of her saying, so you're saying that the sky is green, right? He listened to nothing. And one of the reasons he's so popular is because he just kind of looked at her and said, no, because <laughs> it was obvious she didn't listen to things. That's kind of what's going on here. As soon as Jesus says in verse seven, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus just said, okay, the words had just come out of his mouth. You do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. You know, they, it's hard to read tone here, and I don't I don't mean to read tone into this. I try to be as neutral as possible. But I do wonder the tone of, of Philip's question here. Was it this magnanimous kind of thing? Was it, you know, does Philip even realize what he's saying to Jesus? Not only does he say to Jesus, hey, I'm not listening to anything that you just said, and that would be the most positive thing. What Philip could be saying is, I don't believe anything you just said. You know, if Jesus just said, if you see me, you've seen the Father, and Philip says, you know what, just show us the Father, and that will be enough. Is he saying, I don't believe you, Jesus? I don't think so. Is he just not listening? Maybe. Can he not understand? That's probably the most likely thing. But the way that Philip says it, you know, that that's, that's the equivalent to, to us being out to lunch, right? And it's like... And I say, hey, I want to pay for your meal. And you say to me, you know what? Just give me a million dollars and that'll be enough. Right? I mean, Philip, does he say this with arrogance? Does he say it just blurting it out? Is Philip like Peter here and he just says what's on his mind? I don't know, y'all. We are not told. It is not for us to know, you know, exactly why Philip reasoned as he did. Okay. But nevertheless, <laughs> Of all of those possible scenarios, probably the most likely one is Philip just doesn't get it. 
After Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Philip asked Jesus to show him the Father. So listen to how Jesus replied. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. What Jesus responds to here, um, through, through going to Philip, how Jesus responds to this, and maybe it is just a lack of faith. I, again, we don't know. But Jesus' response to Philip is, what more can I say than, than, than I've already said? And not only what he said, it's what he's done. He, re he references the fact that Philip has been with him all this time. That Philip has seen the things that he's done. And it's not a pleading tone. It, it, I don't even know if it's a tone of resignation, but Jesus' response is, Philip, you've been here. You've been with me this whole time. Haven't you seen what I've done? Don't you recognize that this isn't just me? It's the Father who is living in me and working through me. And he continues, verse 11, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. It's like Jesus is pleading, saying, fine, if you're not going to listen to what I say, look at what I've done. You've been here. You've seen it. Verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Y'all, what Jesus is doing here is he's pointing to what he has done. He's pointing to what he is doing right there in time and space, and he is pointing to what he will yet do. And this is where we see a little bit of a shift. You know, Jesus has told them he's going to be lifted up, he's going to be crucified, he's going to rise again, but then he's leaving, right? That's what we talked about the last time. He's going to prepare a place, and if he prepares a place, he'll come back and get us so that we may be where he is in his father's house. There are many rooms, you know, his father's house, there's many mansions, depending on the translation. But Jesus just told him all this stuff. But this is the first hint that we get that Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to deal with this today. We're going to pick up there tomorrow. But nevertheless, y'all, with Philip, it's very clear what Jesus is pointing to. It's very clear that Jesus is asking Philip to just believe, just have faith. Now, here's the intersection of the devotional thought for today. And then we're done, and we'll pick up here with the Holy Spirit tomorrow, because Jesus just said something really, really important, y'all. He said, again, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. Does Jesus mean that we'll raise more than just Lazarus from the dead? I mean, is he talking about us feeding 10,000 with some loaves and fishes? What does this exactly mean? There are some that would exploit this and tell you, hey, Jesus said this. You just don't have enough faith to do it. But if you did, then you could be doing even greater miracles than Jesus. Is that what he's talking about? No, he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. 
He's talking about what's coming. We'll pick up there tomorrow. But y'all, the devotional thought for today is this. As we think about this interaction between Jesus and Peter, number one, realize who Jesus is. Jesus is God. There just isn't room for anything else. So if you're struggling with that, if you can't square that, then that's something that you're going to have to ask the Lord to give you faith about. Because you cannot deny Jesus as God and have him as your Lord. It just doesn't make sense. Right? Too much. Too many teachings has he offered where he says he's God. Right? But apart from that, be careful with this stuff. You know, it's really easy for us to look at Philip and say, come on, you bonehead. Don't you get it? You just saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. You saw him feed thousands with just a few loaves and fishes. What more do you need? But before we take it out on Philip like that, and before we're so hard on him, just like Jesus did with Philip, can't we do that with ourselves? Where Jesus pointed to what he had done, to what he was doing, and then to what he would yet do. Y'all, God's word does the same for us. It points us to all the things that Jesus has done in our lives. And if you look, you'll see them. You'll see them. God's word points us to what Jesus is doing right now in our lives. Namely, he's seated at God's right hand, interceding on our behalf, according to Romans. Jesus is there for you. And doesn't God's word point us to what Jesus will yet do? Not only in redeeming us and taking us to be with him, but also through the power of his Holy Spirit. Yo, we're in the same exact boat as Philip. And in the same way that Philip said, Lord, just show us the Father and that will be enough. We are tempted to throw down the gauntlet with God and ask for signs. We're tempted to have litmus tests. We're tempted to do all these different things and say, Lord, if you just do this, it'll be enough. Y'all, he's done it. He has given us everything that we need in his word by his Holy Spirit. Like Philip, the challenge we face is one of belief. Will you trust? Realize this is not a one-time trust. Yes, there is a point in time where we are not saved and then we are saved. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living in Christ. I'm talking about actively trusting in him every day, no matter what you're facing. Trusting in his goodness, trusting in his love, trusting in his presence, trusting in his promises. Will you do this? I hope that you will. For the rewards are rich beyond our wildest imagination, beyond our wildest dreams. And if you don't do this, because you don't know the Lord, and our destruction is disastrous, beyond our darkest comprehensions without him. Trust in him today. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and I thank you for everybody here. Thank you that even the technology is working today, and I pray that it would can continue to do so. Be with us now. As we are given this challenge of belief, let us trust in you again and again, and in so doing, we will see that we will never be disappointed. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I've got to go out of town today for very important meetings. I'll be back before Wednesday night, but I'm going to be on the road the next couple of days. And um, everything should work just fine with devotionals, but we will have to see. 
let's see who's here this morning. I see Monica, good morning. And there's Elizabeth and Alice and Becky and Roberta and the other Becky and Rose and Wayne. Again, thank you all so much for being here. Y'all are such a blessing to me. And I know there's a lot of other people watching and, and you don't comment and that's cool. But I want you to know, I know you're here too. And I really appreciate y'all. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow morning at seven. Until then, have a happy Monday.